Good evening. You're on the air with Mike on the mic. This is Mike Hasselcheck, and I love my Catholic faith. And the subject for today's program is fasting during Lent. So let's first start out with a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. God, Heavenly Father, look upon me and hear my prayer during this holy season of Lent. By the good works you inspire, help me to discipline my body and to be renewed in spirit. Without you, I can do nothing. By your spirit, help me to know what is right and to be eager in doing your will. Teach me to find new life through penance. Keep me from sin and help me live by your commandment of love. God of love, bring me back to you. Send your spirit to make me strong in faith and active in good works. May my acts of penance bring me your forgiveness. Open my heart to your love and prepare me for the coming feast of the resurrection of Jesus. Lord, during this Lenten season, nourish me with your word of life and make me one with you in love and prayer. Fill my heart with your love and keep me faithful to the gospel of Christ. Give me the grace to rise above my human weakness. Give me new life by your sacraments, especially the Mass. Father, our source of life, I reach out with you with, with joy to grasp your hands. Let me walk more readily in your ways. Guide me in your gentle mercy. For left to myself, I cannot do your will. Father of love, source of all blessings, help me to pass from my old life of sin to the new life of grace. Prepare me for the glory of your kingdom. I ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So, first let's talk about Lent. So, the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, or what we refer to as the USCCB, and their website, by the way, is usccb.org. They talk about Lent on uh, their website, and this is how they define it. Lent is a 40-day season of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving that begins on Ash Wednesday and ends at sundown on Holy Thursday. It's a period of preparation to celebrate the Lord's resurrection at Easter. During Lent, we seek the Lord in prayer by reading sacred scripture, we serve by giving alms, and we practice self-control through fasting. We are called not only to abstain from luxuries during Lent, but to a true inner conversion of heart as we seek to follow Christ's will more faithfully. We recall the waters of baptism in which we were also baptized into Christ, died to sin and evil, and begin new life in Christ. Many know of the tradition of abstaining from meat on Fridays during Lent, but we are also called to practice self-discipline and fast in other ways throughout the season. Contemplate the meaning and origins of the Lenten fasting traditions in, in, in reflection. In addition, the giving of alms is one way to share God's gifts, not only through the distribution of money, but through the sharing of our time and talents, which sometimes is more important and more meaningful. As St. John Chrysostom reminds us, not to enable the poor to share in our goods is to steal from them and deprive them of life. The goods we possess are not ours, but theirs. And that comes from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2446. So in Lent, the baptized are called to renew their baptismal commitment 
as others prepare to be baptized through the rite of Christian initiation of adults, a period of learning and discernment for individuals who have declared their desire to become Catholics. So why is Lent 40 days? Well, the season of Lent lasts from Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday until the evening of Holy Thursday. If Sundays are excluded from the count, the season lasts 40 days. The 40-day length of Lent is rooted in the biblical usage of the number 40. So 40 is typically indicative of a time of testing, you know, trial, penance, purification, and renewal. So in the New Testament, 40 days is the length of Jesus' time of trial in the desert in preparation for his public ministry, uh, proclaiming the gospel. We also receive um, you know, ashes on Ash Wednesday. So in the Old Testament, wearing ashes was a sign of repentance for sins. The ashes are made uh, ground burning the palm from from burning the palm fronds from the previous year. So usually we receive the ashes at Mass right after the homily. But Lent is not to make a public scene of piety, but to seek a conversion of heart towards God in a way from the secular things of this world. And that gets tougher to do all the time because every every aspect of our lives, they're pushing God out of it. Um, Bishop David L. Ricken of Green Bay, Wisconsin, he was a former chairman of the Committee on Evangelization and Catechesis of the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, he, offers, he offered like 10 things to remember for Lent. This is what he wrote about Lent. And... Um, I would say that, you know, these are really, I really like going through this, and I think it's really important, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, kind of peruse through these for you. First one is, remember the formula. The church does a good job capturing certain truths with easy-to-remember lists and formulas. Example, Ten Commandments, Seven Sacraments, Three Persons in the Trinity. For Lent, the church gives us almost a slogan, prayer, fasting and almsgiving as the three things we need to work on during the season. Number two, it's a time of prayer. Lent is essentially an act of prayer spread out over 40 days. As we pray, we go on a journey, one that hopefully brings us closer to Christ and leaves us changed by the encounter with him. Number three, it's a time to fast. With the fast of Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, Meatless Fridays, and our personal disciplines interspersed, Lent is the only time many Catholics these days actually fast. And maybe that's why it gets all the attention, right? You know, what are you giving up for Lent? Hot dogs, beer, jelly beans? It's almost a game for some of us. But fasting is actually a form of penance. Let me repeat that. Fasting is actually a form of penance, which helps us turn away from sin and towards Christ. Number four, it's a time to work on discipline. The 40 days of Lent are also a good set time to work on personal discipline in general. Instead of giving something up, it can be doing something positive. You know, I'm going to exercise more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be nicer to my family, friends, and co-workers. Number five, it's about dying to yourself. The more serious side of Lenten discipline is that it's about more than self-control. It's about finding aspects of yourself that are less than Christian-like, less than Christ-like, and letting them die. The suffering and death of Christ 
are foremost on our minds during Lent, or they should be, right? And we join in these mysteries by suffering, dying with Christ, and being resurrected in a purified form. Number six, don't do too much. It's tempting to make Lent some ambitious period of personal reinvention, but it's best to keep it simple and focused. There's a reason the church works on these mysteries year after year. We spend our entire lives growing closer to God. Don't try to cram it all in in one Lent. That's a recipe for failure. I wrote about that in my book, uh, Making God the Center of Your Life, a Manual for Catholics. You know, if you try to do everything at once and say, okay, now I'm turning myself over, I'm, I'm, my heart's being converted, I'm going to do all these things, and I'm going to do them uh, right away, uh, you know, it, you'll fail, and you'll fall by the wayside, and you'll get away from it, and you'll say, I just can't keep up with it, and you'll get on back to your secular ways. That's what happens. You know, you, you got to build on it. You know, this is a long-term life commitment. That's what that's all about. Number seven, Lent reminds us of our weakness. Of course, even when we set simple goals for ourselves during Lent, we still have trouble keeping them. When we fast, we realize we're all just one meal away from hunger. In both cases, Lent shows us our weakness. This can be painful, but recognizing how helpless we are, it makes us seek God's help with renewed urgency and also sincerity. Number eight, be patient with yourself. When we're confronted with our own weaknesses during Lent, the temptation is to get angry and frustrated. What a bad person I am. But that's the wrong lesson, right? God is calling us to be patient and to, be, and to see ourselves as he does with unconditional love. Number nine, reach out in charity. As we experience weakness and suffering during Lent, we should be renewed in our compassion for those who are hungry, suffering, or otherwise in need. The third part of the Latin formula is almsgiving. You know, it's about more than throwing a few bucks in a collection plate. It's about reaching out to others and helping them without question as a way of sharing the experience of God's unconditional love. It's doing, you know, with our own hands. That's what we need to do as well. And number 10, learn to love like Christ. Giving of ourselves in the midst of our suffering and self-denial brings us closer to loving like Christ, who suffered and poured himself out unconditionally on the cross for all of us. Lent is a journey through the desert to the foot of the cross on Good Friday. As we seek him out, ask his help, join in his suffering, and learn to love like him. So let's focus on fasting a bit since we'll be, you know, since we started fasting on Ash Wednesday, which was February 14th. And incidentally, remember that fell on uh, Valentine's Day. So unless your local bishop gave you a dispensation from fasting on Valentine's Day, we weren't allowed to fast uh, last week. So we need to fast, um, you know, and, and, and Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are obligatory days of fasting and abstinence for Catholics. In addition, Fridays during Lent are obligatory days of abstinence. For members of the Latin Catholic Church, the norms on fasting are obligatory from age 18 until the age of 59. When fasting, a person is permitted to eat one full meal as well as two smaller meals that together are not equal to a full meal. The norms concerning abstinence from meat are binding upon members of the Latin Catholic Church from age 14 and onward. So, you know, 
even kids, you know, that are 14 years old are supposed to abstain from meat on Fridays. Not so much on the fasting side, though. So if possible, the fast on Good Friday is continued until the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night as the Paschal Fast to honor the suffering and death of the Lord Jesus and to prepare for ourselves to share more fully and to celebrate more readily His resurrection. And, you know, we can look at uh, canon law here, and this is the Days of Penance. Uh, in canon law, tw section, uh, this is uh, section 1249. It reads as follows. The divine law binds all the Christian faithful to do penance each in his her own way. In order for all to be united among themselves by some common observance of penance, however, penitential days are prescribed on which the Christian faith devout themselves in a special or devote themselves uh, in a special way to prayer perform works of piety and charity and deny themselves by fulfilling their own obligations more faithfully and especially by observing fast and abstinence according to the norm of the following canons canon 1250 the penitential days and times in the universal church are every friday of the whole year and the season of lent um a lot of people don't realize that. It's the whole year. Canon 1251, abstinence from meat or from some other food as determined by the Episcopal Conference is to be observed on all Fridays unless a solemnity should fall on a Friday. Abstinence and fasting are to be observed on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. There is no reason why you can't fast all year round from eating meat on Fridays. And it's just something, we did it for years um, as Catholics, and then it kind of got changed, but that's what we should be doing. You know, this is just, you know, Lent isn't just a tune-up. It's, it's to get us to move forward and, to, you know, is to really convert our hearts and, and for us to keep this up throughout the whole year. Canon 1252, the law of abstinence binds those who have completed their 14th year. The law of fasting binds those who have attained their majority until the beginning of their 60th year. Pastors of souls and parents are to ensure that even those who by reason of their age are not bound by the law of fasting and abstinence are taught the true meaning of penance. And then Canon 1253, the Conference of Bishops can determine more precisely the observance of fast and abstinence as well as substitute other forms of penance, especially works of charity and exercise of piety in which, or in part, for abstinence and fasting. So where do we get, um, when, when did we change some of this uh, fasting and, and, and uh, abstinence? Well, we, we can go back to uh, the Apostolic Constitution, Panitimony of the Supreme Pontiff, uh, this is Pope Paul VI, on fast and abstinence. And I believe, let me see, I'm trying to think of when he, did this? I think it was back in '66 or '60, 1967, um, when he wrote this, and um, I don't know where I can't find it right now, uh, but I believe it was. I want to say it was '66. Yeah, it was February 17, 1966, third year of our of his pontification. So this is what he wrote that we should do. He said. The law of abstinence forbids the use of meat, but not of eggs, the products of milk or condiments made of animal fat. So you can, you're not supposed to eat meat, but 
uh, we're not talking about eggs or products of milk uh, or, or any kind of condiments that are made of animal fat. The law of fasting allows only one full meal a day, but does not prohibit taking some food in the morning and evening, observing as far as quantity and quality are concerned, approved local customs. And so the, normally we would say uh, for fasting, you would only have one full meal a day. But um, St. Paul VI, uh, he basically said, you know, you could, can include a small meal in the morning and one in the evening together. If you put those two together, they would not equal the quantity and quality of a full meal like you would have the one meal during the day. Um, then he says, To the law of abstinence, those are bound who have completed their 14th year of age. To the law of fast, those of the faithful are bound who have completed their 21st year and up until the beginning of the 60th year. So if you're 21, between 21 and 60, uh, then um, you're bound, uh, you know, for, for fasting. Um, the, the abstinence portion, uh, which would be no meat, would be at the age of 14 and up. So, you know, you're looking at something that's very reasonable as far as ages go. You know, I, you know, people who are older than elderly, older than 60, some of them have health issues where they have to be careful on, on what they eat, when they eat, you know, and, um, you know, as far as uh, fasting, you know, when you're 21 years old, you should be fine, right? Um, you know, but maybe between the ages of 14 and 21, they, you know, the church feels that you're still young enough where probably, you know, you don't have to necessarily fast, but you still do need to abstain from eating meat. And then um, as, re as regards uh, to those of a lesser age, pastors of souls and parents should see to it with particular care, they are educated to a true sense of penance. So these are the, um, this is what was written um, by uh, Pope Paul VI. You know, if you recall, he, uh, uh, I think it was Pope John uh, the 23rd started the uh, Second Vatican Council, and then uh, Pope Paul VI basically finished everything and implemented it. Um, well, it's, even parts of it were implemented over the years later, but I mean, and we're still seeing some things <laughs> happening now that are taking a little advantage of what was really written. But um, I, I think it's really important, you know, if you have a chance, go back and read some of these documents. Uh, they're so beautiful, uh, particularly uh, this one uh, on fast and abstinence that was written by um, uh, St. Paul VI, uh, Pope Paul. And um, th this was during the 60s, where a lot of this was, all these changes were coming. This is where we got the, from Vatican II, where we, where we, we got the Novus Ordo Mass. Um, and there were some very significant changes made. Um, you know, for those of you who remember the old Latin Mass, I'm old enough to know I served it as an altar boy. So I remember how it was. You know, I missed some of it, and uh, I think there was more reverence in, in parts of it. But um, I think there's also some really... Uh, great features of the Novus Ordo uh, Mass, and there were some things that were brought back into the Novus Ordo Mass that were uh, done early in the church, 
that kind of got lost over the years and then were, were brought back. So I think that, um, you know, there were there's some really good things as well that have come out of the Novus Ordo Mass. But this is a time of Lent and this is a time of the conversion of our hearts. But don't forget that we need we need to um, ask for forgiveness of our sins. You know, go to confession. If you haven't been to confession in a while, this is your opportunity. You need to go during Lent. I mean, normally there are more hours offered for confession during the time of Lent. Um, check, check your local church. If your local church doesn't have convenient hours, uh, check with uh, nearby churches, uh, whether they're in your diocese or another diocese. And, um, and if you can't find hours that accommodate uh, your schedule, uh, then call your parish up and make an appointment with your priest and, and get, get confession. Once you start going to confession, um, it gets easier all the time. And, you know, I, 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 in this book I wrote on the uh, sacrament of uh, penance and reconciliation, you know, in there I talk about, you know, uh, probably, you know, most people, they should probably go to confession once a month. And you'd be surprised when you start really, you know, when you go through the Ten Commandments in the Catechism of the Catholic Church and you read what encompasses each one of those commandments, um, you, you really realize how easy it is to commit a mortal sin. And, you know, I, I think it's important for us to know that. We need to know. I mean, we're, we're I mean, it's, it's an obligation for us to know what God tells us he wants us to do. And, you know, you're going to get you're going to learn that by reading scripture. You can read the learn, learn it by reading the Catechism of the Catholic Church. But as I said, there's a whole section in the Catechism of the Catholic Church on the Ten Commandments. It talks a lot about what mortal sin is, what mortal sin does to you spiritually. Um and you know talks about heaven and hell and the, and judgment and these are all the things that we need to focus on. This is a good time of the year to do that. Um, so go to confession, confess your sins, be in the state of grace when you receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ the Eucharist. And with that, we'll be back next week. Have a great week and God bless you.